Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members who do, uh, who do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Adam. Hi, everyone. I'm Adam. I'm a compulsivator. For those who are in the, uh, listening to the recording, you can't see the pictures. I'm about to pass out uh, to everyone. But to me, they... Uh, they definitely um, speak way more than my words, mm. way, way more than my words. So um, try to capture uh, what it was like. I was, I was uh, reading our preamble. Our primary purpose here is to abstain, check, I'm doing that, from compulsive eating, check, compulsive food behaviors, check, and to carry a message of recovery through the 12 steps of our program to those who still suffer. And that's like, that says a lot to me what a primary purpose is. I just, and I'll, I'll, I know that my primary purpose in the years I've been here and even before isn't always to carry a message. So let's go back to November. It's November 12th, right? So on November 12th, 1998, um, I had been three days into coming to Overeaters Anonymous this time. Um, I went to my first meeting back on November 9th, 1998. I had tried Overeaters Anonymous in, I was just shy of 30 years old. I'm turning 54 on Tuesday. I was just shy of my 30th birthday. And I had been, I think, when I was 24 and 27. I went when I was in Chicago for a week or two. And uh, my response was, these people are crazy, they're angry, I don't go to groups, I give groups, and that ended that. <laughs> so I couldn't hear it, I couldn't, I couldn't hear it from you guys. I just couldn't hear it, and uh, my story of eating is I get very, I'm short and I get really heavy. So for those listening, I'm, I, get, I get well over 300 pounds, and... Um, I'm just, uh, I'm just, uh, just use food like, like other people may use heroin or alcohol. I just, I just eat, and I don't care if you're watching. Some people talk here about cl- closing the blinds. I did that, but I also ate. If I couldn't do that, then you'd have to watch me eat. So I just, uh, it, it wasn't something I wanted to do. It was something I, I had, I felt like I had to do. It was urgent. It felt like breathing to me, and I did it. I did it, and I did it. I, you know, I wasn't eating lettuce. I was eating, I was eating things that felt really good to me, and um, I kept doing it. And just when I thought I couldn't do it anymore, I kept doing it more. So that's the way I ate. So um, my primary purpose in my disease, right, not in my recovery, my primary purpose was to make you think I'm smart, to make you think I'm funny, to feel like I'm really accomplished, um, to feel like I'm really handsome, and to uh, have everything that one would want. I wanted what you had, and I didn't want to do the work to get it. So I was, I was very, very bitter. Um, I think that pretty much encapsulates everything, what I just said. Like, that was my disease. Like, I, I was just in a... St- I was bitter. 
I was bitter and I didn't like the story I was given. I wanted different aspects of your stories and I didn't want to do the work. And I, want, I had an idea that your story was easy for you and mine was hard and it's not fair. And um, I wanted to live in a different zip code. I wanted to have... I wanted to have all the things that I thought you had, and because I didn't, you know, I have what we all have. We're all very similar, even though our stories are different, I've found over the years. I was, uh, you know, I had a lot of feelings of resentment towards you, towards the institutions that taught me, and towards the story, the principles. This is straight out of our big book. I'm not making any of this up. Towards the principles, the rules that I had of life. So... And, you know, we alcoholics, compulsive overeaters are an extreme example of self-will run riot. I love this part. That's great. I think we all know that. This is the best part, though he usually doesn't think so. <laughs> so I'm the last one to know that um, I'm, a, I'm a maniac, um, just, just chasing things, um, and I'm not aware that, this is, that I'm unwell. Right, I think it's completely normal, and you're the problem. And I have no idea that there that the mechanics of how I do business is my problem, not my trauma, not what happened to me. Right, but there are things happen, sure, like um, things happen, but the real problem is, is a problem of uh, basic mechanics. It's an operating system problem. It's a flaw in the design, and it's my thinking. And um, I'll I'll tell any story. So I can continue my narrative of being a victim. Uh, I mean, I'll use any story, right? I'll, any story, right? I went through my round of therapists, and they, and, and they were just part of my mission to tell my story uh, to justify. Ultimately, I used it to justify um, why I can continue hurting myself. And uh, I, didn't, I did not use it for insight. It didn't give me any insight. Um, it gave me justification to feel sorry for myself and angry at you. And that's not a uh, slight to therapist. I am one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, and, and if you think that, if anybody here is trying to do the graduate school route to get better, I tried that. Um, I got a doctorate, and <laughs> uh, I don't think it, I don't think it's the, I don't, it didn't do, if anything, it made it worse. I could, because I couldn't hear it from you. I was smarter, I was smarter than you and um, more informed on matters of, of the psyche. So I thought, so I couldn't hear it, I, I couldn't hear it. When I was 24, I couldn't hear it when I was 27. When I was 24, I said, I don't go to groups, I give groups. And I, some guy gave me a big book, and he said, I'll sponsor you. I didn't read it. And then one guy in a meeting got so mad, I heard him, he ran out, and he like, heard his car screeching, and he banged. He, you know, he, like, you hear his car like, back up and like, hit a bumper, and he tears out. I'm like, oh, my God, these people are this is a crazy place. And then... I didn't go back, and I said, I've been there, done that. Then I came back to L.A. I was in Chicago at the time. I came back here where I'm from. I went to Studio City to some meetings. There were a lot of nice women there. They were very skinny, and I was very heavy. And I didn't relate, and it was in a small room, and they were nice. And this time I didn't say I go to a group. I, I don't go to groups. I give groups. So my ego wasn't as, as large because here's what happens. I get bigger, bigger, and bigger but my life gets smaller and smaller. That's the way I, I work. And um, it, I just, as the d disease progressed for me, um, the things I was trying to do to win the attentions, all the things I wanted, became increasingly hard to get. It's harder. Things get harder. So the more my disease 
is active. It's progressive, not just that I get larger physically. I get, um, I get crushed. I get crushed. I'm not good. If there's an ego story that people are good at, I'm just not good at it. I'm not good at the story of plowing. Right? I tried hard. I was, I was, I was, I was losing and it hurt. So, um, so I came when I was 27 for a little bit. Didn't work. And um, then I went to like a really good academic center and I found the best endocrinologist. And, um, you know, I thought like, okay, this time, you know, I've got, I've got everything except like a personal chef, you know, and I, I've got everything. And I, I'm a guy who thought about I'm going to lose weight often. I, you know, I, I just have to find the strength and the, you know, that feeling of that, that immense amount of energy it takes to really be committed. I mean, you always want to say you'll start tomorrow and then you say, I'll start Monday. And I did a lot of that. And then like once every four years, I had, a li- I had some, I would try for like a few months. And I did that thing and, and um, I found the best of the best, allegedly. I love it when people say, I want to find the best doctor best psychologist, the best, <laughs> you know, very, very where we come from here in LA, the best, you know, like, <laughs> best, bougie, you know, this guy's the best, and, uh, and so I went to the best, allegedly, because I had that, uh, that mindset, too, and um, if it's not coming from me, there is no best, right, it's not about the person who I'm seeing, it's about me, and what I'm bringing, I didn't realize that. So I got the best. I did what they said for a minute. And like any other time uh, in my life, uh, I, I don't have the power to stop eating. I mean, who am I kidding? I can't. That's my problem. I can stop. I can't stay stopped. And when I describe my eating, um, I don't want to see the movie of it. So if you said, let's pay the footage of what it looked like for me to be November 12th, 1998, if we go back to November 8th, 1998, the footage looks like this. And this wasn't even the worst. I don't know why on November 9th, 1998, I woke up and I said, I can't do this anymore. I went to a grocery store. I bought trash in their bakery department. I just, I would have gone in any department at the grocery store, just what I saw. And I just went in my car and I devoured it in seconds. Like, like I do, like as if somebody's watching and they say, you better eat this as fast as you can or you're going to die. But there was nobody saying you're going to die. I'm just <laughs> devouring it. And um, I don't want to see that movie and what it looks like. I don't want to watch the footage of what it looks like for me to eat. Um, I, I had friends that I, that I kept. I come from a pretty t- um, robust community where a lot of people nationally, we know each other. So I had a lot of opportunity to meet people, and um, I wasn't good at friendships. I wouldn't pick me as a friend. I wasn't trustworthy, but I had people in my life. And one of them told me years later, not, I mean, in, in abstinence years, he said, I remember he came, talking about disturbing eating for the recording, so you don't see my picture, but you can hear my words. I come from a large family, and we, everything was, uh, like, supersized. And it was so urgent, my eating, that like, I had two friends stay over at a wedding. I was probably in my early 20s. I wasn't invited to the wedding. And they were just coming. You know, my parents had this really big house, and they came back. And they came back. I didn't see them. And I, they walked in the kitchen, and I took this vat of spaghetti and meatballs. And I was, it was so urgent for me to eat, I couldn't even get a plate. So I just have this big bowl over my face with sauce all over me. 
And I was the funny fat guy until that moment. I saw, I remember looking at my friend's eyes and the disturbance. They saw the full range of the disturbance. And he told me years later, right? I was probably like 20 years in this program, I think. He said, um, I never, I'll never forget. That's when I realized that it wasn't just funny. And he saw the spaghetti sauce all over my face. He wasn't supposed to. He wasn't supposed to see it that moment. Um, probably like sitting there in my underwear, just spaghetti on me. I ate it, I, most of it, I, except for the stuff that spilled on me. So, so that's the disturbance that I come from and the type of eating I do. So, and I have a head that tells me I don't have a problem and that it's not so bad. And, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm, you know, hell, I'm getting a doctorate, so I'm really smart and I'm together, even though, like, I, <laughs> I'm fighting so hard. I, I, like, found a, I found a way to not take the exam that you have to take to get into the school. I found the school, I found, I was so good at finding loopholes, I was so bad at just doing the damn work, <laughs> right? I was so great at the end arounds. And so, and what we learn here is, you know, you got to do the work. There's no end arounds. So that was my purpose, you know, when I think of my primary purpose back then it was to try to way to figure out to make you all think I'm okay and to convince myself I'm okay when really I'm very sick and I have a disease. So this time on November 9th, 1998, I woke up and I said what I did at the supermarket was disturbing eating that I don't want to see the footage. I don't want you to see the footage either. I don't want to watch it. I don't want you to watch it. And um, I came to work and I couldn't hear it from you regular people. Right, but I worked with a psychologist and a psychiatrist. The psychologist was my mom's age. The psychiatrist was my dad's age. The psychiatrist, man, I knew like a couple years ago. He seemed so damn healthy. He was like thin and so smart and articulate, and he had such a clarity of thought. And I remember, I'm, I'm like, I remember, I just w- went into him after one of our meetings, and I said, "You just seem like you know stuff." I'm like, do you know anything about weight loss? He's like, yeah. I used to be over 100 pounds overweight. This guy's like a lean, healthy body weight glow about him. I want what he has. And I said, what do you do? How'd you do it? He said, I, he said, I never deviate. I said, what do you mean? He said, I just pretty much eat the same thing. And I looked at him and I'm like, what do you know? <laughs> I'm like, you don't need a frozen yogurt or anything. He's like, no, I'm like, idiot. And that's how that's I couldn't hear it. I couldn't I couldn't hear him. You know, I, I but I remember like thinking like, wow, at that moment. And then this woman, she had years in, in AA, years in AA, and when I got to working with them a couple years before, she's like, you are an addict in every way. She's like, I'm like, you know, like they were giving away free computers. I'm like, I want it all. Give me a free computer. Give me every computer. You know, I would be thinking, she's like, I think you're an addict. And I'm like, you know, and I also drank a lot, you know, so I was like, I, everything I was doing was pretty, like, a, they used to call this program, by the way, Glutton, there was another program, not this program, but there was a parallel program called Glutton's Anonymous. I'm like, that's my program. <laughs> you know, that's the one. I, I'm a glutton in every way. Gluttony. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a good word for me. Gluttony. I want, I, I, appetite and urgency mixed together to make crazy. That's my program. So, so I go. I'm working with these two people. She's in AA. And she's like a small Italian pistol. And she's so smart to me at the time. Still is. And he's like... And... and um, 
So I'm working with them. So I can't say, I, I can't, I can't. They're more esteemed than me. They're, they've got the right credentials and they're telling me at that point, you know, they're giving me some suggestions that you may have a problem. So I come to her on November 9th after this devouring food in the way I do. She said, what? I came to work and I was defeated. She said, what's wrong? I said, I can't stop eating. I can't stop. I told her what happened. And she said, we're going to a meeting. And she picked up the phone and, it was, and she dialed, you know, she got information over to Anonymous. She found a meeting. She said, we're going. And it was like, a, it was like, okay. <laughs> I just said, okay. And she said, um, I said, something in me said, thank you. She said, don't thank me. She's very strong, very strict. Don't thank me. You're going to do this for someone else. I'm like, oh. And we get to the meeting, and she says, he wants to share. Tell them what you told me. <laughs> and, she's all, and I said, I said in front of the group, I said, I, I can't stop eating. Like, I can't stop eating. And um, then she said, uh, she said, go to meetings and watch trashy movies and not read trashy novels and just don't eat no matter what. And I didn't even know what that meant. So, and I, I think the crux of my, so this is, so I'm through, it's November 12th, 1998, November 12th, 2022. November 15th, I turned 30 and um, I met, there's this birthday party for me. And this is like the foundation of the program to me. Um, there's this tiramisu cake in on effort that they're serving for my birthday. I never had that. I'm like, well, you know, I have to have it. So I do what I do, and I just do this like I call it like a praying mantis move. I, whoosh, I like reach in like a like an insect show. It's like I grab it, I shove it in my pocket. It's sticky. It's all over me, and I eat it in the bathroom, and it's all over my face, and I'm doing my thing that disturbing eating. And um, so here's the here's everything to me, right? Everything to me is this. Some of you, at least I heard, told me that was okay, <laughs> right? I came, because I came to Overeaters Anonymous the next day, and I said, oh my God, I'm devastated. I did this thing. And some of you said, oh, that's okay. Why would you, if you get a flat tire, what is the language? If you go on the way to New York and you get a flat tire in Phoenix, why would you go back to LA? And the guy who I work with, this psychiatrist, right, because I'm snobby, I can't hear it from other people, he said to me, that's called getting drunk in our program. You can't shove tiramisu cake in your mouth, in your pocket, have it be sticky, shove it in your mouth, and call that sober experience with food. There's nothing sober about that. So then I'm like, light bulb, that's called getting drunk with food. I'm an alcoholic with food. And um, the lights went on. There's such thing as being drunk in this program. And he taught me what it means to have a sober experience with food. And um, therein began my journey. He said, here's the deal. He said, um, do what anybody you trust says. You really have to trust them. Anybody but you. Because <laughs> in all matters of food, you are fired. And I'm like, oh my God, that's genius. <laughs> that's genius, genius thing. It's like, I'm the problem. If I make any decisions I make around food, all roads, I can justify anything. I can use the program. I can use the word abstinence and food plan. I say, does that mean I can eat floating fruits? Does that mean I can eat? I can use anything here. Progress, not perfection. Oh, does that mean I can eat? Right? Everything is about how can I, because I'm an eating machine. 
So I really got um, that all roads lead for me to my brain telling me why it's okay to eat. Game over. And I didn't have the courage to listen to him till November 30th, 1998. And that's the day this year. It'll, if I make it there, it'll be 24 years of having a sober experience with food. And um, now, that doesn't mean, let me check my time, that doesn't mean that, uh, that certainly doesn't mean that I have a sober experience with life. So I get the food part. Now, there's the second part about unmanageability, because I want the story to be, I'm the great guy who figured this out, right? Mm -hmm. But the reality is that the best things that ever happened to me have been given, step two, have been gifts of sanity, not from me, but from the program and a higher power. Now, that's disappointing, kind of, to my ego, right? Because I want it to be me. <laughs> I want the story that I'm the manager, and I'm the one who did this. Mm -hmm. So to the extent that I carry that, that that um, investment, right, where I want to be the one, is the extent that I have needs, step four, five, six, seven, right? I, I'm, I'm flooded with character defects because I think that I'm the driver. And when I think I'm the driver and I think I'm the manager, that means that I have to have things my way. And if I don't get the outcomes that I want, and you're not behaving and the world's not behaving, and I'm very bitter and very disappointed, as I said. So, um, poof, that one is, is a lifelong... So what I'm talking about, um, looking at the bitterness, the fear... I, I think for me, fear is my number one offender. Sorry, big book. I really, you know, it's... it's uh, I know they say resentment is the number one offender, right? I get it. I get why it's a, like a immediate in the immediate, but the underlying thing that, you know, that corrosive thread part, that thing, that more than stealing that we talk about, man, fear is, is a big one, but I have a whole story that, I'm, that I want. So um, my story here isn't that I woke up well and I had a spiritual awakening and a light bulb went up and I all of a sudden I became the poster child of mental health. <laughs> that is not that is not my story here. My story is that I had a lot of trial and error. I was not a good employee. I was not good. I I wouldn't call me. I wouldn't say I was a good uh, spouse, friend, son, employee. Um, I I don't in in those early, in those years in those years um, for a while. Right. I I was contrarian and fighting. Um, because I didn't like the idea that a power greater than myself is the one that's going to restore me to sanity. But the reality is, is that a power greater than myself is the one that restores me to sanity. And the reality is, is the same way I said I'm fired from food, I'm fired from life. I'm not good at it. <laughs> Let it, other people, I'm, I'm going to be 54. You know what? Let a young man take on the battle. <laughs> right? <laughs> Game over. Right? Game over. I, uh, I, I don't want to be in a fight anymore. This is one of our, one of our, I don't, I don't want to be in a fight because I, I fight and I don't want to fight anymore. So, um, this has been a, a, a and, and there's, and I don't think I'm ever going to graduate this is the good news. I don't think there's a graduation. but And I don't think that fear evaporates. I don't think it's like, oh, I'm never afraid of anything. But I do think this. 
there's a formula here that if I take certain spiritual actions, I may or may not have the things I want happen, right? I may, I don't know if I'm ever going to be completely eliminated of fear. I don't know if I'm not going to have issues and battles and everything, but I know that if I do certain things, right, I'm probably going to be able to have a story of abstinence today and sharing a message of how I, of recovery to you. So there are certain basic things I do, no matter what. So there's non-negotiables. My food never changes. You'll never hear me say I ate too much, but the recovery is. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. I'm never going to say I ate tiramisu cake, but the recovery is. I'm never going to say I ate more than I was allowed to and more than I committed to or more than was given to me, but the recovery is. Never. So that, that thing called food sobriety, for me at least, is... I know it's, there's a lot of clarity, and I need that. I need that. I, I know me, because I'll make up a story of why anything's okay. I have a range of weight, because weight and volume are a thing for me. I can, I can easily see myself you know, espousing how wonderful the 12 steps are, gaining 75 pounds, and tell you how I'm the walking well. Right? I, I have that in me. So I, I have a lot of clarity around that. And I also... Um, have a morning routine which is just so important to me. I meditate in the morning for about 20 minutes. I meditate in the afternoon for 20 minutes. I have a writing that I do. It changes, but some like the first thing I do is I write about what's going right. Like I need to say what's going right because I'm always in the problem. And that, that's going to be expanded to what's right with me too. Um, then I have to do a gratitude to my wife because I, I can tell myself a story of why I'm a victim. Then I write what stands between me and God, peace, love, joy, good, trust, faith, calm, and integrity. What am I fighting and not accepting? What are my motives? What can I turn over and let go? Then I write a letter to God. It sounds like a lot, but it takes 10 minutes. Um, then and I'm available in a very big way as a part of a community of fellowship of men, and I help other people who, are, who know what it's like to carry the burden of 100 pounds or more. I feel like I really relate to it, so I only work with people who are struggling in that way, and um, there's a pretty big fellowship, and I'm a big part of it, and it's the biggest gift of my life to be able to carry that message. So I... At 16, I was going to five meetings a week. Now I go to four, um, four experiences. Two of them are things I run. Um, and um, really, really, really grateful. I've created a space for people to, um, for men to, to talk about what it's like to be in the food and to have the experience of being disfigured. Because when you're, when you're heavy like that, it's, it's, it's a physical distortion that it's just... I'm not saying it's, it's worse or anything. It's just an experience, just like anorexia and bulimia are an experience that, that in their own right. And, um, and I, try to, I try to live a better life. So I, I'll say this, is like on every single front, it, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have predicted that my life would look like this. Um, I wouldn't have hired me I wouldn't have um, picked me as a friend. I wouldn't pick me as a spouse. I wouldn't have picked me as a sibling. I wouldn't pick me as a son. I would pick me in, in, in those areas. Right? Not easy. I wouldn't call me easy. I wouldn't say, oh, this guy's so chill. He's so easy. No. <laughs> I'll just to give you an example, my wife, when she turned 50, I mean, she got hers because COVID hit, so she couldn't do it. But 
she wanted to take a vacation. And she's like, I'm not taking you. She's like, you and your food and your meetings and your exercise, I just need to go with my friends. And I'm like, you, you so deserve that. I'm just, <laughs> I get it. It's like, you know, like half of the day is like, it's, it's, it's a work. It's work to, it's not, this is a lot of, figuring out where I'm going to eat, it's not, I can't, I'm not just going to go anywhere. I can't have everything. So it's a lot, you know, and I, I take care of myself in this way and it's involved. It's involved, but I, I, I think it's, I think like my kids, they have a really good, really, I have four kids and I'm, uh, I'm uh, very connected. They're adult. My youngest is 19. My oldest is almost 30. So they're wonderful. They're wonderful. And they, they you know, they don't have the story of, oh, my dad, the shrink, they're, they're so effed up. It's not, you know, like, it, it, it's not like that yet. <laughs> None of them have been in rehab yet. Um, and, uh, yeah, isn't that great? <laughs> and, uh, and uh, yet, and, uh and uh, and I have a I have a, a life that that I that I feel pretty good about, uh, pretty good about, and I I I still I'm in the middle of an inventory again, right? And um, and uh, I'm okay today, and I'll finish with this. I'm okay today that um, it's not because of me that I have good things. It's because I've been restored to sanity, and it's okay that it's because. I'm not, I don't have to be special. I'm done. No need to be distinguished and special and wow. And what is my real purpose? I read you the purpose. My, I have, you know what, always, every, so many people looking for purpose. What am I supposed to do? We've, we've been given a purpose, right? We have a primary purpose. I don't think that writing is just when we're here. I think that primary purpose thing is to abstain from compulsive eating, check, compulsive food behaviors, Mostly, check. <laughs> I mean, I'm still like fast and everything. <laughs> and to carry a message of recovery to those who still suffer, check. Maybe I don't have to do anymore. Maybe it's just, maybe simple is good. Maybe that's the purpose when I'm trying to figure out how am I going to retire? How am I going to, what, what do I have to do to prove that I'm okay? Maybe that's, that's it. Thanks for letting me share. Okay. Time for questions. And Adam, will you just repeat the questions? Sure. I, I don't see any questions. Where are they? <laughs> people will ask. Oh, people will ask. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Anybody have Does anybody have a question? Uh, can you talk about your concept of a higher power and how that developed over your recovery? Concept of a higher power and how it developed over recovery. So, um, for sure, I didn't um, think that there was a power greater than me, um, but I definitely had an experience where I needed over an Eaters Anonymous way more than I needed you, and you didn't need me. So I couldn't have the freedom, and I didn't talk about this. I had freedom from, from why, what happened that one day I couldn't, I'm shoving food in my mouth and in my pockets, and one day I stopped. I don't know what happened. It wasn't, I don't know what happened. So something happened here. So it started there. Did I believe in a in a in the God of that I grew up with? No way. Um, now, so the evolution of this thing is now. I'm really um, as I do this more and more. I'm open to anything. So it's not a fixed. It's not a fixed idea. I'm open to anything, and very, 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 very clear that it's not me. And um, so it's constantly changing, and that's cool, right? As long as, and the thing that never changes is my food. 
but the God concept could change because who am I to say I know what God is? Any other questions? I'll ask a question. So, in your recovery and your abstinence, how do you navigate like your social life, like you know, going to parties or going out to dinner with friends or with the structure you seem to have around your food? How do I navigate uh, social life given? I guess you heard that I'm pretty structured around yes. food. Okay, yeah. <laughs> right, which is, which is, thank you. Um, I mean, it works for me. So how do I navigate it? It's not a crime if I don't eat, <laughs> right? So the worst thing that can happen is, this, is I eat later. So this idea that there's a rule that I have to eat around people, usually I can, by the way. It's 2022, we're in America. I mean, I've done it in different countries, right? I, I can always, it's, it's never really a to find a protein and a vegetable isn't so hard. Um, sometimes I'm surprised, like when I go to OA events, I can't eat, <laughs> right? <laughs> like that's the crazy. The only crazy thing is when I go to an OA event, I'm like, listen, there's no uh, my, uh, my 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 abstinence is not working here. That's that's a little weird. But everywhere else, it seems it seems to it's it seems that has happened, you know. And that's that's just because that's just a me thing, right? So I but I don't. It's not sad if I don't. Um, if I say I can't, I'm not going to eat at this wedding, or I'm not going to eat at this event, and I'll just watch. Other questions? Another question. Um, so I know you like touched on it, like with the tiramisu like thing and everything, but like, what do you define exactly as? Is abstinent and not abstinent. Like, is there like a list of like things like you will eat and not eat, or sure. is it just an intuition? No, never. I, the word intuition. So, so the question is, <laughs> the, the question, the, the question is, how do I define? How do I define um, what what is what would be a sober experience with food and what isn't? And is it my intuition? So I'm very convinced that my signals internally are broken. So the word intuit, I, I will intuitively, I can intuitively gain 300 pounds intuitively and call it help. So I don't, I'm just like hunger cues, like broken. Feeding time at the zoo works for me, right? Like, so, so I, I'm just broken. I don't want to restore. I don't have any any inkling that that part of me, I don't even want to restore that part of me. I don't have any desire to talk about it and to check in with myself if I'm hungry. Um, that being said, um, so, so there are certain foods that I wonder, I don't think I'm eating lettuce like I'm eating french fries or sugar or pizza, right? I am devouring. So there are certain things that are very obvious to me that once I start, I can't stop. Those are called my alcoholic foods and I can't have them. Then there's also with a guy like me, I love volume. So give me the healthy stuff and, and I'll, you know, I'll eat, I'll, you know, vegan, no problem. I can gain 100 pounds being vegan. No problem. So there's an issue I have with volume, right? So that I have to have limits, beginning, middle, and end, very important. <laughs> right? That concept is very important for me. There has to be an end to the story. It's sad every time still. It's very sad. Very, very sad. And then um, the, the final thing is, for me, weight. Right? And we talk about it in our definition here. Um, it could be a very, very confusing thing for my addict brain 
to um, not have a range of healthy weight or be moving towards and to have an understanding of what it means to have a healthy body weight. So that those three things, right, content, volume, and then for me the weight, right, could be a reflection. The disease can come out in all of those areas. So that's how I define a sober. Sober is what I can eat, right? So I'm not, I really, I can eat limited, like with, with some, like, it's not like some things are weight and measured and some things are plate, right? But like, it seems to me that vegetables and protein and just plain fruit um, aren't going to be, you know, I'm not going to die from them. If, I, if with the right power and the right help. Remember, this is all a gift. Please. This is not like my special... The whole idea of my superpower is my problem. I don't have a superpower. My, I, I have a superpower not in me, but in you all. Mm-hmm. I hope that helped. Mm-hmm. Any other questions? Um, do you ever find yourself... like You talked a lot about fear, right? And do you ever find yourself in so much fear that you're frozen? And if so, like even if not, like how do you manage that fear? So for me, fear is not just about freezing, it's about obsessing. Mm-hmm. So it's about a, a, a lot of overthinking alone. So one of the things I didn't touch on is the power of um, step one in an admission with we, step five in an admission, my darkest secrets with you, um, and step 10, right? This idea is, um, and I hear somebody in the valley talking about living out loud, I, I can't keep secrets. So my fear is never, it's like I broadcast it to my people. Now, not to everybody, right? To my safe people. They know my, they know my, my crazies, right? They know very quickly what I'm obsessing on. And holding that in without sharing it um, and working it um, through an inventory and sharing that and also just telling people, right? I'm not... You know, I'm 24 years. I'm not the walking well, right? I haven't. You know, if I, I, if you're looking for somebody to say like, "Oh my God, you're so internally chill," then wait for the next speaker, <laughs> 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 right? And, and I, but I don't eat no matter what, and that's like a month. Do you know? And I guess when I work with people, it's like, and how are you not going to eat over it? And how are you not going to eat over it? Becomes the foundation, and part of that is is a reflex of learning how to not keep secrets. No matter how much of an, uh, no matter how ashamed I am of the story, sometimes I am in like real make-believe crazy stories. Go ahead. Um, do you think that like weighing and measuring is like for you another way of surrendering your food? Or? Does weighing and measuring represent surrender? Everything about my food is I'm not in charge. Mm. So symbolically, food for me is you're fired. Right, you're fired. You've lost every bit of right to make decision. So I try to treat treat it in not in a punitive way, but in a spiritual surrender mm-hmm. where I get to weigh and measure, right? I get to be specific because I like vague. I love vague, right? <laughs> so, so, so the type of clarity I saw in that guy, I get to have in my, and it all begins with the honesty in my plate. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you.